For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening, and that means leading the line from the front and wearing the captain's armband is Carl. So, Carl, I hope all is well, mate. How have you been this past week? Yeah, not too bad this week, Dan. You know, slightly slightly saddened by the fact that the season's ended, obviously, in the way it has for us. But then at the same time, also slightly glad because it does mean we kind of get a break, don't we? And we can kind of refresh and go again. So looking forward to getting into this one and kind of ending the season on a high. Absolutely. We've bloody earned a break, haven't we? James, I get the feeling you're already on the beach and looking towards the summer. How have you been these past seven days? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Kind of uh, much the same as, as a lot of you guys in that. You know, it's been a long, hard season. Um, kind of glad to see the back of it. But let's be honest, we're gonna we're gonna miss Tottenham playing uh, at the weekends. Our e- weekends are gonna feel a bit empty without them. We're, how much we moan about them, we're gonna miss them, aren't we? Yeah, you can't live with them, and you can't live without them. But anyway, with it being the end of the season, there's only one man that we could bring back for a final dose of energy. It's Patrick. Now, Patrick, it's been a few weeks, but how have you been keeping, my friend? Oi, oi, what's happening, lads? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for bringing me back in. I'm looking forward to today's pod. So, yeah, let's go, let's go. Top man, right. Let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect the last week and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Common Use Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at CIS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let me know. I'll get it sorted for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business. And that business is that we finally reached the end of the season. And Carl, as you've kind of noted, there was a relative high yesterday. Are you kind of just glad it's all over? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, with the way things have been going the last few weeks, you know, as I say, you know, I've spoken to you before, haven't I, Dan? You know, I've really ended the season with a, a feeling of disconnect from the club at the moment with the way things are going. Um, couldn't get yourself built up for games, couldn't kind of enjoy the games. Um, and it has just felt like, you know, the season has kind of been dragging itself out now these last few games. So it's kind of, for me, I think that the end of the season has come at the right time because, you know, like I say, starting to get a little bit sick and tired of the club and the way things were happening. So I think this will now just give us a chance to kind of have a little break. Obviously, we've got the Euros. Obviously, you know, as a club, we've got a massive summer with some big things that need to happen. And I'm pretty sure that obviously come the summer when we've got the new man in, if we make some decent signings and, you know, potentially that say Harry stays, then I'm pretty sure that by the time next season comes around, there'll probably be that buzz again and that enjoyment and ready to get going. But I think the season probably come along just at the right point for me. Um, And although it was good to get a win yesterday against Leicester, I'd kind of felt that that FA Cup was going to be the end of their season after that day and that they might struggle for a couple of games after. It seems like they kind of have, but we went there. It's a tough place to go. Got a good result. For me, the only downside of that result is that obviously we help out, you know, helping Chelsea get Champions League qualification. You know, that just felt like a bit of another kick in the teeth for a Spurs fan, having one of your main rivals giving you the thumbs up. Well, thanks. Thanks for getting us in there. But at the end of the day as well, it meant we kind of got European football. It's not probably the European football we want. And I'm pretty sure, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out this first year in this competition. But if you're looking for the club and the way it needs to go forward, then it probably really needed that competition and needed to be in some form of European um, football to kind of help us be able to progress. So it was as good as it could be for the last day but I am glad that it's over. Yeah, we'll focus on the Europa Conference League a bit later in the show. But James, I just want to ask you in terms of the campaign, you know, up to December, it's great, isn't it? We all were perhaps a little bit guilty of coming along on the title bandwagon thinking, do you know what, this could be it. It wasn't it. It was only down from December, really. So for a season as rough as this, 
what lessons do you think the club can take? Uh, I think the, the lesson from from the Mourinho era was that you know you need to let these attacking players off the off the hook. Um, you know that you have to let them play. We play better as a team, and Tottenham play better when we when we play to to our strengths, which is our flair and our, our attacking talent. Um, you know that is, of course, if if Harry's still at the club and if and if Bale is still at the club next year, then we have to play with the shackles off because. You know when uh, you know when maybe we needed a goal under Mourinho, we looked great. But when when we were one 0 up, or you know we were we were kind of trying to see the game out, that was that was where the the downfall was. I mean, look at how many how many points we lost under Mourinho um, from from losing positions, uh, sorry, from winning positions. Uh, and I, I think the lesson has to be that you know at Tottenham we can't play pragmatic football that's not the that's not the way that we're we're meant to play and with these players especially you know it, it is not the way that they're they they want to play we've got attacking fullbacks we've got midfield players who want to move the ball quick and we've got a, a front three at the moment who who are firing on all cylinders and and they need to they need to you know uh play that attacking brand rather than uh rather than seeing back so i hope whoever whoever takes over next season whoever uh, you know, continues um, as as the interim manager or as as the hopefully in, a new manager. Um, they kind of take that on board and and let these guys play football because we've seen when when they do play like that, we, we you know we end up winning games, we end up scoring goals, and um, if we try and shut up shop at the back, we know we haven't got the, the the talent back there to to be able to to be able to shut those doors. So hopefully that's that's something they take on board for next season. Well, Patrick, this is the more pertinent question that you can take lessons on board but it's all about actions now will the club learn from this properly or is there more decline still to come yeah I mean after the year that we've had we've pretty much learned that we we also need a basically a manager who's uh, as well as a coach we brought in Jose Mourinho who was the proven winner done it done it all been there seen it you know done it everywhere he's gone to but you know he's not really a coach. He's not going to come in and coach these guys. He's going to let them just get on with it. He expects them to already know and essentially be the finished article. And uh, we've seen with our defenders especially, they still need a lot of coaching. They still need their hands held. And it didn't really work out. So I'm hoping from the Jose debacle, we've learned our lesson. We get in a manager who fits our system or our style and basically what the fans want and you know the type of football that we that we've been used to under, under dare I say, Pochettino. And then we go forward like that. I hope we've learned our lesson as well. And um, maybe I'm jumping the gun here in terms of probably what you're going to ask later, but we get in a director of football, basically a middleman, somebody that can push Levy away from the footballing decisions, let him do that. Somebody who's proven, knows how to spot a player, knows how to, you know, basically he's going to run the structure of the club properly. And make sure that we are singing from the same hymn sheet at all levels of the club so that there's progression. Because as good as we've been going forward, we've taken quite a few steps back in terms of the midfield and the defence. And, you know, it's been a great season for a couple of players. But as a whole, it's been it's been pretty shambolic. Now, Carl, when you look at it, the high watermark for this club in terms of league finishes in recent times was 2017. Second since then... Third, fourth, sixth, seventh. Four successive seasons where we're finishing worse off than the last. Is there a fear for you that there's still more to come in this downward spiral? Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? You you would like to think, hopefully, and I guess, it's, again, it just goes back to what sort of Patrick's just kind of hit upon there. You would like to think, wouldn't you, that this season hopefully should be the, the the mark where even people on the board like Daniel Levy and that have to go, right, hang on. Yeah, we are massively in decline here. And the way we're heading, if things keep going this way, we'll end up being a mid-table club that isn't going to get Champions League football. And the reality is that's where we want to be because that's where the money is even. So you'd like to think that even if just on the football-wise they're not, worried about essentially winning things but they do realize that if they want to be making money you've got to be in the champions league and at some point they will have to buy the players and get the squad in the sort of shape that at least starts getting you back up there into being you know 
in contention for a top four place. Because right now, when you look at it, we are we are not just short of top four, are we? We are miles off it at the moment with the squad we've got. And obviously, I think the great thing that might have happened this season is we had the Super League, which I think really kind of got the fans' backs up. We've had the protest. You've now had, obviously, the situation with the uncertainty around what Harry Kane's going to do and thinking that he might have reached a point where he feels he might need to move on. And all those things, I think, just help because it does, you know, does wait possibly the ball up to thinking, oh, hang on, we really need to wake up here a little bit. We've got fans ready to go mental. We've got a star player potentially feeling like he might be off. And the club is on a, you know, on a real fine line at the moment between tipping over and suddenly, you know, if you start thinking about fans being back in the grounds next season, that could become very toxic and not a nice place for Enoch and people like Levy and that to be if they don't kind of get everything together, get it by the scruff of the neck and say, right, we need to start moving in a forward direction again and get this club going in the right way. And I don't think that's a situation where I want to be in. So as horrible as it is right now, I think the end of the season, enough has happened that might have just woken the ball up to say, listen, we will actually need to go and do something here. And we are going to have to make some investment because, yeah, we're, we're miles off it. And we don't look like getting back to where we need to if we carry on the way we are now. Again, the only problem is, will they fully act on it? Will they do what they need to do? I guess, you know, I, I wouldn't hold my breath. So it, it really is going to be a summer where they've got a lot to prove um, and a lot to do to kind of win people back. I completely agree what Patrick said there. You know, we need a director of football to come in and someone to take that side of things away from Levy. The only thing I will say with that, though, is you can employ whoever you want to come in and run the football side of things. If the purse strings are pulled as tightly as they always have been, it doesn't matter who you get because you can spot a player. But if that player demands a fee and a decent wage, you've still got a board who are going to say, oh, no, sorry, we're not looking at that level. Go two levels down and find me a player on that level. We'll still be in the same problem, even if you've got a director of football in. So I think we just need to hope that the end of this season is shaking the board up a bit and made them realise they need to pull their finger out. Well, James, if you look at the last four years, I think in a sense we've sleepwalked to seventh place, haven't we? We've always kind of said, really, after each season of slight decline, hopefully this is the moment where Enoch wake up and they haven't woken up. It's more and more of a slumber. Now, I don't want to be too despondent, but you look at Newcastle, 1996 and 1997, finished runners-up in the Premier League. Look at them now. They've had relegations. They're a mid-table team at best. They're a big club in their own eyes, but not really ever considered in terms of Super Leagues or breakaways, anything like that. Is that the fearful direction for Tottenham in the next, I don't know, five to ten years? Absolutely. Um, and I think that's the thing that everyone is worried about, especially with you know, there being other big teams near us in London as well. I think geography comes into it a lot. You know, look at Newcastle there, you know, they're, they're way up there. They're, you could say that they're a big club because of the size of the stadium, the size of the fan base, because of you know, the size of the city. Um, whereas Tottenham, you know, there's a lot of big clubs around us, Chelsea's Arsenal. Um, you know, unfortunately, that means that there is always the chance that we can kind of slip into mediocrity um, if we're not if we're not reaching those heights on the pitch. Similarly, if, if we dropped off like Newcastle have, um, there's every chance that we, we would slip into that kind of irrelevant category of, of uh, mid-table Premier League teams who they you know they know they're not going to go down necessarily um they might get sucked into the odd scrap every now and again um for, for relegation but also that they're not going to they're not going to challenge for europe and that's that is the the concern with tottenham you know this is why uh, i'm sure we're going to talk about the, you know the harry kane issue yeah. uh, this is why I, I i i believe that we can't sell a player like kane because you're basically asking daniel levy how much will it cost you to make Tottenham one of those mid-table teams, um, and I don't think you can put a price on that. You know how, how much, how much money in a, as a lump sum, or you know as a, in a transfer, uh, a, a transfer fee, will it cost for you to become one of those teams that isn't going to challenge for trophies, that isn't going to challenge for Europe? 
because I, I do genuinely believe that if we lost someone like Kane and with the with the squad that we've got right now, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be challenging for Europe. It wouldn't be even a scrap for the Europa Conference League. I think it would be mid-table mediocrity, and 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 then we'd be like Newcastle fans. You know, what, why are you a big club? Tell me why you're a big club because you've got a big fan base, because you've got a big stadium, because you have a good history. Um, you know, the 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 similarities are there. Um, luckily, I think we are ahead of the curve. Um, I think we we have an opportunity right now if the the right people make the right decisions, i.e., keeping hold of Kane, um, bringing top quality players in, uh, bringing a top quality manager in. We we are ahead of that curve. We can stop that from happening. We can we can say, look, we we want to keep our best players. We want to add to those best players, and we want to kick on from where we are, and we want to get back to where we were three or four years ago, which was consistently in, in in the top four having a, having a good run in Europe uh and and maybe even knocking on the door of of, of the title um you know I, I like to think that we're at a stage now where we can prevent that me- mediocrity from happening um but you know you're absolutely right the similarities between Newcastle and Spurs they are there uh and I, I'm sure you, if you asked a lot of Newcastle fans going back to to the, the years that you mentioned Dan they probably had players like Kane um Maybe not on that level, but they had good players that they they you know allowed to leave and and they shipped off and and they didn't replace them, and so they slipped into that mediocrity and and I, I just hope that that isn't something that's going to happen for Spurs, um, because we are we are where we are right now. We haven't had a good season, but there's every opportunity for us to to get back amongst the the big boys next year, um, as long as we as I say the people in the right places, the people with the power make the right decisions now. Um, and unfortunately, you know, that's not something that we can have much faith in. OK, James, you mentioned Harry Kane, so let's go to that topic now. Patrick, I'll start with you. Obviously, the overlap interview has been everywhere in the past few days. What do you make of the interview as a whole? Is it more a case of what our striker didn't say than what he actually said, which is perhaps a greater concern to us all? Um, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is the trending topic, isn't it? It's the talk of the town. And um, obviously, at first, we saw, well, to be fair, it was a bit weird how it all came out because Sky Sports had the yellow ticker basically across the bottom of the screen saying, you know, we understand Harry Kane wants to leave, blah, blah, blah. But there was no, like, added sources to it. And then I believe, because everyone got onto them, I think, I mean, just my own, like, basically theory behind it is that they pushed this interview out before they probably intended to because they didn't have any credible sources to back up their statement. So they were alluding to the interview. So then they, you know, they pushed it out. And in the interview, I think Kane came across very well-spoken, very measured. You know, he had very articulate. Everything he said was basically he had thought about. There was nothing. I mean, he was being honest. The thing I love about it is that you don't really hear from Kane, do we? He's quite a, you know, he's quite a humble, uh, reserved guy. He keeps himself to himself. You don't really see him, you know, in the papers. You don't really know much of him. He's just doing his own thing. He's a family man and he just gets on with his stuff. So it's great to hear from him and hear from him, you know, the horse's mouth. And I believe it's quite a weird one because as much as people are saying that he's saying he wants to leave, I took it as he was really putting the gauntlet, putting the ball in Daniel Levy's, you know, court and saying, I want to stay here, but I want you guys to back the club and back me and bring in players that will make us contenders again. You know, he alluded to the Pochettino era where we were really close. And he's also said, you know, with two or three players, just what Liverpool and um, even Man City did, and even Manchester United he spoke about, then we can be back where we were before. So he wasn't really saying, I want to go, but he's also saying, if you guys don't, basically, pretty much what all the fans have been saying for a long time, and even James mentioned it, if if we don't bring in the right players, then yeah, essentially he will want to go because there's nothing to stay here for. So I didn't really see it as him wanting to leave. I really thought he was putting the ball in Daniel Levy's court and saying, it's on you, big man. Now do what you need to do. Now, James, could you say that Kane's also been quite clever in that there's an element of ambiguousness to all of this in that if he doesn't go, he can always say, well, I never said I was going in the first place. What was the panic? But if he does go, it's almost as if this interview has planted the seeds for his departure. Definitely. I think, I think he literally said um, in that interview with Gary Neville, he said, look, I, I never said I, I wanted to leave Spurs and I never said I wanted to stay at Spurs or I never wanted to stay my whole career. Or I never wanted to leave leave at some point. 
he he's the, his camera facing self is is very uh, sitting on the fence, and that you know that might not go down too well with some people. You know, if if he wants to leave, he just needs to come out and say it. Or, um, but I think a lot of people respect it. I think with the situation that Kane's in, um, he needs to be like that. He he can't kick up a fuss because he has he's basically narrowed his options down to City or bust. Uh, I think everyone knows that it is City or bust. I don't think United are going to go out and get him. Um, you know, Chelsea, there's no way we'll, we'll deal with them. And he wants to stay in the Premier League. Um, so it's City or bust. And if if he did uh, kick up a fuss, I want to leave, um, you know, doing Danny Rose-esque uh, media interviews and, uh, and, and causing a real stir, you know, have, have, having to be put on the bench, having to play with the reserves. Um, and then... Guardiola turned around and said, "Look, I'm happy with my squad. I don't really want to spend uh, 150 million pound on a on a striker. And if I if I am going to spend 150 million pound, I want one with two ankles. I want uh, I want uh, a Haaland or uh, you know I want to go for an Mbappe. Um, y- you know, then Kane is left with egg on his face, and 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 he you know, he has to grovel a bit. So I think he he's probably play, playing it quite tactfully in his camp." Um, it's kind of flirting with Man City. Obviously, is everyone knows that that's the destination that he he wants. I don't I don't read too much into the De Bruyne comments, just because you know as right has rightly been pointed out, any player in the world, uh, a non-player, I'd quite like to play with Kevin De Bruyne myself. I think he'd make me look quite good. <laughs> I think he'd so, get at least five goals in the season. Yeah, yeah, a few tap-ins. Um, <laughs> But I mean, you know, I, I I don't read too much into that. But he, you know, clearly it is a, a bit of a bit of flirting um, between Kane and City, and and that's to be expected. You know, he's he is the best player in the league, in my eyes, and and he's playing for a team that that isn't competing for for, um, for titles. Um, but if if he yeah, as I say, if he did kind of make that decision now and make it public that he wanted to leave, and then he you know City decided they didn't want him or Levy said he wasn't going to deal with a, a, a rival, um, then he'd be he'd be in a bit of a sticky situation. As it is right now, if he walks out at, at the lane next season as a Tottenham player, he'll get just as much of a, of a reception than he would have, you know, um, at any other time um, because he hasn't kicked up that fuss. He, he still got three years left on his contract, which I think plays a massive part in this. We, we don't have to sell Harry Kane at all. That is, I think that is something that you know needs to be mentioned. Uh, I've, I've seen so many tweets about how Harry deserves to leave. He deserves to leave, and we should clap him out the door. Uh, and you know he's done so much for us that you know we should we should let him go to City and win all the trophies. It's complete bollocks. I, I don't believe that for one one bit. I'm a, I'm a Tottenham fan. I'm not a Harry Kane fan. So I'm a Tottenham fan. I want the best for my club. And the best thing for my club would be to keep the best player in the league. Whether he is, you know, uh, an absolute, whether he's going out with prostitutes every weekend or whether he's feeding starving children, I don't care when he puts on that Tottenham shirt. And, and he, if he is the best player for the job, I want him there. Um, I don't believe this. he deserves, we owe him anything. We've given him a career, we've paid his wages and he's still under three years of contract at Tottenham. As far as I'm concerned, unless someone comes along with the 150 million pound that that he's worth, I think we should tell them to you know to get lost. And whether he's happy with that or not, he's he's a player. He's under contract, um, and you know there's every chance he might down tools, but he he doesn't seem like that kind of guy. So I'd I'd run that gauntlet. Um, but yeah, for, for me, we have to keep that guy at the club. Uh, otherwise, as I mentioned, it, it could be a, you know bust for us. Now, Carl, obviously it was a 60-minute interview. We haven't got time to pick up all the uh, juicy morsels from it. But what was the most striking part of the interview for you? Anything to add? Um, no, like as you say, you know, he, he never committed either way. I think for me, though, I actually can see from the guy, in my opinion, I personally do think he's, he's reached a point where he does want to go now. Um, I think... <clears throat> I think the biggest factor here is previous times where there might have been opportunities. We have only maybe been sort of one or two players away from, you know, being able to push or be at least be in a title challenge for a a long part of the season. Um, For me, 
I kind of think the biggest defining factor of it will be the fact that he can see this is a club that isn't just one or two players away now, like he said, under Poch, where he did say, you know, the club really missed a big opportunity there because we, we were we were right close. Uh, and all through the interview, he doesn't say anything that no one doesn't know. So, you know, when people come in out saying he was disrespectful and everything, he isn't. You know, the guy didn't say nothing in that interview that none of us as supporters or that already know. I think for me, though, that's the biggest thing. If he felt we were still close, I think you'd be looking that you could keep him. But I think for me, the, the realisation has dawned on him that he's going to be 28 now. Um, and this might actually be his last chance to, to get that move, um, get those trophies, you know, on the sideboard. And then, you know, and also remember by doing that and going to one of those clubs that are going to do that, You've got the Alan Shearer's record will also probably be a little bit easier to reach if you know you're playing a better side where you create more chances, score more goals. That's going to be there. But I think ultimately he knows we're not one or two players away now. You know we're possibly five or six decent players away, and he probably can't see the club, especially this summer going out and spending the money that's needed to kind of bring that sort of quality in to get us, if you like, in contention, let alone win it. Um, so, again, nothing really in the interview. You know, he was very professional, I thought, very good. Um, but I personally think he's reached a point of thinking, listen, I, I think I need to make that move now because time is running out. You know, after 28, things, you know, he's going to slow down even more. And although he said he's probably still got seven or, you know, seven or so years left at the top, I think the reality is that's not going to be the case. And he probably knows he needs to go and get those trophies on board now um, before possibly, you know, injuries catch up and, you know, father time catches up with him. But, you know, I know it's James saying, you know, we don't want him gone. We definitely don't want him gone. But at the same time, you know, I don't think, you know, when a big player makes that, you know, move that they want to go, it's hard to keep them. Um, and I think I can see him going City, but I don't think it's going to be the 150 mil everyone's talking about. I think we could be looking at 100, 120 and then plus maybe a player um, deal that might go through. But for me, yeah, I, I see it happening and that's the worst case scenario, isn't it? Because, you know, if you can try and build with Harry in the side, that's great. But when he goes as well, you just make the club a less less attractive proposition for, for players that you want to try and get in. But I thought it was a good interview. You know, I think it was the interesting bit of the interview was that I think you can really see the guy's got some serious ambitions to look at the NFL when he retires um, and becoming a kicker there. So... I think, you know, he, he's left that one wide open and I think he's really shown the desire for that. So I think we've we've seen where he might want to be heading once he thinks his football career is on, on the wane. Well, if it's good enough for Clive Allen, it's good enough for Harry Kane. Exactly. You, you mentioned Alan Shearer, <laughs> though, Cole. There's a similar trajectory and timeline between his move from Blackburn to Newcastle in that they won yeah. the league, then didn't really offer anything in terms of a title defence the following season. Euro 96... Big money moves to Newcastle. I know he didn't win anything at Newcastle, but that was the, the selling picture, wasn't it? You know, come to Newcastle, yeah. win more. You kind of get the feeling that's a similar kind of trajectory for Harry Kane. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and when we was when you're talking about the Newcastle Spurs kind of similarities, they're all there, aren't they? You know, that was a side that was free flowing, attacking, and and right up there. You know, potentially looking at you know a couple more players and the right pieces of the jigsaw and they could be flying. And next thing you know, year in, year, it kind of just wanes and wanes and wanes um, and the side suddenly gets worse. And, and their similarities are there. I'd like to think, as the guy said, we're probably in a better place to recover um, from this point on now than Newcastle might have been. But you wouldn't want to take the risk. Um, but as you say, with, with Kane... I think, you know, Shearer at least had that Premier League in the bag, didn't he? You know, yeah. you could sit there and say, I had that Premier League. I've won a league title. So I can now go to my boyhood club, see my years out. And OK, if I don't win nothing, well, at least I've still got a title and, you know, a trophy and a medal on the sideboard. Um, whereas with Kane right now, I think he's looking and starting to think, oh, 28. 
you know, another couple of years or another big, you know, a big injury now really slows me down. And then that, that last move to a side, and let's face it, if you go, if you go somewhere like City, you're guaranteed trophies, aren't you? This is not a case of, oh, maybe you win something. You will win stuff. There's no doubt about it. So he knows he can go there and finish his career with maybe at least a couple of titles, a couple of League Cups, maybe an FA Cup, and who knows, a Champions League. And I think ultimately now, that's where he's going to look and say, listen, I, I want to finish my career with something to show for it and potentially don't want to risk ending up with nothing on the board um, because he wants that record. But Shearer also has that thing of I've got I, I had a title, so, you know, it's in the bag. And I just think he, he's probably just reached that point a bit like a lot of the supporters have now where you just go, you just feel like you've given too much now. And now you're starting to question whether it's worth it or not. It's a shame, unfortunately. But, you know, again, we've allowed it to get here, haven't we? Because we've allowed that side to be depleted, not replace players the way we should have done. And ultimately, you know, you, you can't string someone along for too long before they suddenly go, listen, I love you, but time has come and I've got to make a move now because this has gone too far. Well, James, on that note, how much can you read into a post-match hug and a walk around a pitch? Because the last few days... I wouldn't say he was teary against Aston Villa after the game, maybe because the performance was so bad. But, you know, after the game, there's obviously a bit of a tearjerker. You know, maybe is that the last time he ever plays in front of that stadium? Then you've got hugs with teammates that could be construed as goodbye. Kind of like when you finish work and you say goodbye to a colleague, you know, that's the kind of relationship ending. So how much can you read into those two actions? Uh, I think if if you look at it in, in the context, you know, you look at everything that Harry Kane's doing, I, I watched the, the game um, yesterday and um, all I could think was, oh, Harry, you know, I was just watching Harry in isolation. And I thought, oh, he's walking around the pitch a bit. You know, oh, does that mean that he's going to leave? Like, oh, he, 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 he bottled that tackle a little bit. You know, oh, he's giving the ball away. Oh, that's because he doesn't want to play for Spurs anymore. Like, you know, you, you start looking at these things because of the news reports. And, um, you know, I've got no doubt that, that maybe Harry... He's probably in limbo himself. He probably doesn't know what's going to happen with his future. Bear in mind the chairman that, that we've got. You, you kind of never know what's going to happen. So, you know, there's probably a million thoughts. Look at You know, he's looking at his face after the Villa, Villa game. Um, yeah, he looks a bit downbeat, but we, we had just been beaten, you know, in a very, very poor performance. Uh, it's the end of a very difficult season. So, um you know, there's probably a million things going through his head. He, he probably didn't know whether that was the, the last time he played in front of those fans. And so that, that face was probably, you know, just him contemplating potentially it being being the last game. Um, the, the hugs at the end of the Leicester game, I think, you know, that's the, the lads celebrating the golden boot. I think that's what we've got to look into for that. Um, I don't think Deli Ali and Son would, would be that kind of, for want of a better word, that bait to 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 go go out there and do it in front of the cameras and you know basically tell the whole world that we're saying bye to Harry. I think they they have got a bit more about them than that. They 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 don't want Harry to go either. Um, and you know this deal is very is far from being done, and everyone knows that it's going to be a long summer because this deal is going to be dragged out. It's not going to be a quick process if it does happen. So I wouldn't call it a, a goodbye hug at all. I think it was them celebrating um, Harry's amazing achievement, uh, you know, a third golden boot, um, most assist, a playmaker award as well. You know, the the guy has to be the player of the season, and if he's not, I think it's he's been absolutely robbed. Um, and I, I wouldn't look into it as I say. You know, when when you watch Harry at the moment, everyone's thinking the same thing, and everyone's watching his every move, and it's easy to to kind of you know, look into things both ways. Um, personally, I think, you know, he had a, he had a, a decent game uh, yesterday, not not an amazing game. Uh, at Villa, against Villa, I think he was he was quite, quite quiet. Um, he wasn't really in the game, but I think that was a lot down to the way we played, the lack of ball-playing midfielders to, to move the ball through to him. Um, but yeah, again, I, I think let's let's not look too much into, into those little things. I know it's what we do as, as Tottenham fans. Uh, and as football fans in general, you look at everything. Um, but I, I, I still don't think that this deal is, would be anywhere near close to being done. And I think that he he doesn't really know what's happening with his future either. Well, him departing is one question that we can't answer just yet. Patrick, I've got another question for you. 
Can you answer what earth has happened to Sergio Reguilón? Because I know the own goal was bad against Aston Villa, but he has dropped off a cliff these last couple of months. What's going on in the head of the left-back? Oh, mate. Yeah, Aston Villa. I mean, yeah, it was a it was a poor performance, but he pretty much gifted them two goals. Yep. So, you know, the, the, the own goal was... was uh, it was mental. I don't know what was going on. He just shanked the ball and it beat Lloris. It was like in slow motion. And then um, the other goal, it's like we played the ball to him. You could clearly see he didn't want it. We played it back to him. You know, he lost it. Ollie Watkins scored. And it was pretty much game over from then. We never, I never felt we were going to get back into that game. It's a weird one because it was so... That happened in the first half, I believe. But it just felt like we were never going to get back into the game. It was so strange. And yeah, he just doesn't look... I mean, in the first half of the season, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Like, when we played um, uh, Chelsea in the Carabao Cup, he was fantastic. You know, running back and tackling people from uh, pretty much, you know, from one end to the other, creating chances, literally a flying, swashbuckling wing-back. And um, I don't know. I don't know if it's a bit of homesickness. I don't know if... Um, the thing is, we've had such a weird season. Uh, you know, we've had um, two managers in. I think he was quite close to Josie as well. Like, when... Um, I believe in one of the games when, uh, in one of the cup games, uh, Jose bought him a big, you know, slab of lamb or whatever. No, it was a ham, wasn't it? Thing. Yeah, yeah that, that's it. So I think him and Jose had quite a good relationship. So when Jose left, it may, maybe it cut him up a bit. You know, I know he's over here with his girlfriend as well, a bit of homesickness. He didn't make the Spanish squad as well for the, for the Euros. So that's quite a big thing for him. So yeah, he's had a poor season. I think it's just the team as a whole has been poor, hasn't it? And, um, I think, you know, his first season here, he's, he suffered. And to be honest, I think the season ending came at the right time for him because he, he has been poor. Um, it's not helped as well. We've not had a set. Let's also be uh, get it right. We haven't had a settled back line. So that's not going to help him as well. He keeps having to play with different players. Uh, the midfield is always changing as well. So again, he, he's playing with different people in front of him. It's just been an unsettled season for a lot of players. And unfortunately... But, uh, you know, he's one of the ones that have suffered. So, I know there's a player in there. I really do think there's a good left-back in there. But I guess it's just a learning curve um, and him settling in. That's what I'll take from it. Um, we can look at the positives and hopefully next year will be a better season for him. Well, of course, if there is a positive to take, I don't think the phone's going to be red-hot with Real Madrid on the other end asking for that buyback clause. So, I think we'll definitely be in Tottenham Colours next season, which is good. And of course, next season, we are going to be in Europe. We kind of referenced it earlier on. So we'll just have a bit of a deeper touch into the Europa Conference League. Now, Carl, earlier you mentioned doing Chelsea a favour. Not a great end to the season, but we have finished above Arsenal. That said, that's a really poor Arsenal team. So how much should we be crowing about this so-called accolade? Yeah, I mean, you know, to me, then, no, that doesn't really. And, you know, yes, it's nice to be above them and that. But when you consider our poor both of us have been this season, it isn't really anything to kind of try and pin your hat on and try to make out like, oh, well, that's great. We finished above Arsenal. Yeah, in the positions we've both finished, it's nothing to be proud of this season. You know, if they were third and we were second, you'd really be thinking, well, yeah, that is something to be proud of. Um, the season's been a disaster, isn't it, to be honest? You know, it started off looking like it could be a good season. And I think at one point, you know, around that December mark, when we had that run of games where, you know, you beat United away the way we did, we beat Man City, we get a draw at, you know, Stamford Bridge. We were starting to really think, well, maybe this could be it. Maybe this is this side has turned the corner. Um, and it's been since then, it's been just one horror show of a decline and a horror show of a season um, with the standards in, in everything at the club going downhill massively. Um, I, you know, I say the only good thing for me on it is it potentially it is some form of European football uh, where you get sit there and go, well, it will be more revenue. It might be something that at least just does kind of help get some players over the line as such because it's better being in a European competition than not. But I still think that this is one of them seasons that anyone who's trying to take some joy just from the fact we finish above Arsenal, you just need to say, listen, it's been a poor season. We just need to forget about it as quickly as we can, move on, and then we'll have to look to see where we stand in, say, the next 10 days or that with the manager appointment, see if that's going to be something that can help get the squad going, um, put 
service in the right direction? Is it a good appointment that gets everyone buzzing again and, and ready for it? Uh, and just hope that we can put this season's wrong right next season. But, you know, if you thought the Europa League was bad, this next competition is going to be an even harder watch, isn't it? Because, you know, I had to laugh today. Someone put a tweet out, you know, what an away trip Chernobyl is going to be <laughs> at some point this season. Yeah, no. So we do just have to hope, you know, it's not going to be that glamorous. Um, but we need to go and do what we need to do in it. We need to either use it to bed the youngsters in, let Scarlet and that go wild in that competition and get some minutes uh, and just get the most out of it. And hopefully, who knows, even win it. But I dare say a certain Jose Mourinho and Roma will probably be the story next season when they have a final with them and Jose maybe being able to get one over on us um, at his next club. But the season's been poor. We can't look at it any other way. Yeah, I mean, that final was written in the stars, although we were meant to be in the Europa League final this coming Wednesday and we all know what happened in Zagreb. But my take on the Europa Conference League is that it's certainly got a stigma because it's this third-tier competition you know were it not for UEFA meddling with such plans we'd be in the Europa League it's just circumstances not a lot we can do about it so I think as a club we should always strive to be in Europe I don't think we should be in a position to try and game the system and think oh do you know what we're better off out of it we'll have better chances to do better things next season I don't think you can have that attitude and also I think as fans as a whole last month we were all up in arms about a European Super League I just think it's something different. I know it's not a sign of a good season. It's a sign of a poor season into where we want to be. But I think just embrace it. And I think, James, if we are to embrace it, how do we go about that in terms of personnel? Do you once again go for a clear divide between my, should we say, Premier League players and my Europa Conference League players? Or, in hindsight, did that create a bit of a divisive situation within the dressing room? Because then you've got a clear element of haves and have-nots. I think the main the main issue was yeah obviously that was our our approach uh, in the Europa League there were there were fringe players who were brought in for um, brought in for the Europa League games but the the issue wasn't that there was a divide I think the issue was that those fringe players just weren't up to the task um, you know you'd like to think that at, at this level especially you know the the Conference League level you'd like to think that if we do play the fringe players that they they're going to get they're going to get it over the line and, and there's not going to be much of an issue and you wouldn't need to play, you know, your, your Kane and, and your your son. You, 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 they can stay at home. They can get stay rested and, and play in the Premier League. But the the reality was this year in the Europa League and, and, and probably will be next year is that, you know, the, the the players that we're bringing in aren't just, they're not just going to get, they're not going to get it done. They're not going to score the goals. They're not going to, they're not going to win the game just because they, they have, they're not up to the task. Um, you know, we've always said that this is these are these are their audition. You know, this is your audition game to to get yourself into the into the first eleven, into the Premier League team. That's where you want to be. And if you don't want to be in the Europa League uh, team playing, uh, you know, the the arse end of nowhere every week, then you need to play well enough to get yourself out of that team. And that should be the the motivation. When reality, it was it was kind of the opposite. Um, no one was coming in and 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 fighting for that place. You know, for for a lot of the season, there was a spot next to Sonny and and Harry uh, on the on that uh, on that right wing that was up for grabs. You know, it, it was Lucas Morris played there. Bergwijn had had it there for a long time under Jose, uh, and obviously Bale has has eventually gone ahead to to kind of um, make that position his own, albeit you know maybe not twice a week, um, but. It, especially in this competition, because the standard is even worse than the Europa League, um, this it has to be the opportunity that we've, that we've all been waiting for to, to get those confidence-boosting performances under the belt. Um, we know that's not how it works. It's never as easy as it looks on paper. But, you know, this is where you're looking at your, your Deli Alley, um, yeah, your, your Bergwijn, um, your Lucas Moura, your, whoever it is who's going to be our backup striker next season. Um, and the kids as well, you know, hopefully players like Sessegnon coming back to the team, Skip coming back to the team, uh, and then your your Scarlet, your, um, you know, your Dennis Serkin, people, people like this, you want to see them taking their opportunity when they get given them uh, and, and proving, you know, that game is like their cup final because they want to get, they want to prove themselves and they want to um, get themselves back into, into the recognised Premier League team. Um, so I, I hope we I hope we do 
use it um, use it wisely to to kind of utilize our squad. But then again, you've you've got to look at this as another opportunity to get that monkey off our back um, in terms of trophy. You know, we we this is our opportunity now to to get that trophy in the cabinet. And uh, you know, this might be the easy one, but look, let's just let's just end that stigma right now that Tottenham can't win trophies. Let's go out there, let's win this one. Um, and that might mean playing the, you know, the first team towards the last stage of the competition, which we should be, we should trust those those fringe players to get us to. Towards the latter and uh, last stages of this uh, of the competition, we should be hopefully coming up against yeah, like teams like Roma, and we should be putting our first team out there to to get that trophy over the line, uh, and uh, and and completely end that stigma that that Tottenham we've got this. Um, this stigma that we can't win trophies, and and you know, albeit not the best trophy, I think it's a good opportunity for us to for us to end that run. Now, Patrick, if we are going to have fringe players in our Europa Conference League lineups, will that include Tangi Undumbele and Giovanni Lascelso? Because after, should we say, unknown reasons yesterday, they didn't feature against Leicester, so their aptitude is back into question. The big question is, will they still be at the club past the summer? Oh. Great question, to be fair. Um, it's quite a weird one because, like, on Twitter, I saw In The Nose saying that, you know, these guys didn't travel and et cetera, et cetera. But on the team bus picture, I saw Lo Celso in there. So Lo Celso did travel. I don't know why he didn't feature. But I, Tangi, Ondombele, uh, Suzoko and Aurier weren't in the picture. So, you know, there's rumours that they decided that they were ill. They, you know, they had some, some kind of bug. But they didn't want to go. So I don't really know what happened. Um, with Lacelso, I think he's a bit different from the Tangi um, scenario. I think Lacelso does want to play. He's shown he's, you know, he Lacelso never goes missing, so to speak. Like he gets on the ball, he tries to make things happen. But I don't think he's as good as we thought he was. If we're being honest, if we've got to be brutally honest. He's been there for almost two years now, and yes, he's tidy, he's neat, he looks the part when he's on the ball. But he doesn't really do anything. He doesn't really drive and create you know, uh, passing lanes and he doesn't really find anybody. He doesn't score. So I don't really know what he actually does, if I'm being honest with you. So the jury's still out on him. I like him. Uh, I think he looks good on the ball, but I don't really know what he does. Is he a number eight? Is he a number 10? Is he a number six? I'm not too sure. With Tangi on Dembele, I think the guy is fantastic on the ball. Probably one of the most gifted footballers I've seen in terms of creating nothing out of something or something out of nothing, you know, turning, beating a man, He's a fantastic freestyler, so to speak. But when it comes to actually having application and the work rate and the desire that you need in the Premier League, I'm not sure if he's up to the task. So again, the jury's out on him. I really want to see him, you know, with another... Ma- again, the thing is, like I said with um, Regulon, I've got to be fair, Tangi's now come in and had three different managers, Poch, Jose and Ryan Mason. So, you know, this is a kid that's come in... Um, never been in England before and he's already gone through three managers so he's gone through a lot uh, under Jose Mourinho he had this whole thing where he was dropped wasn't trusted had to do private you know sessions in the park and he didn't really get on with him then Jose started to trust him etc etc so again there's been a lot going on um, Tangi didn't make the French squad which was a bit of a you know that would be a kick in the, in the teeth to him so he's also got a point to prove and ironically Suzoka made the team over him so again, that's a bit of a you know egg egg on his face. So I really want to see Tangi you know do well for us. He's a fantastic player. We you know we spent sixty five million on him, and allegedly he's on the same wage as Harry Kane. So he's been paid a good rate to come here. You know we we spent a lot of money on him. He's our record signing transfer. I actually want to see him push on. So um, as it stands, I'd love to see both of them do well. Uh, and you know next year there's a lot of players that. Well, those two players, they really need to show us something. Otherwise, yeah, for me, get rid of them. Because there's no point having these players here that cost a lot or on big wages and they're doing absolutely nothing. Well, I've, I've said before, I don't see how they both fit into a Tottenham lineup when you've got the likes of Deli Alley, Hjoyberg, you know, any other centre midfielder, all competing for space. We've almost got too much of one position, not enough of another. And I just feel that there's an element of square pegs in round holes. Now, that doesn't automatically mean I'm saying they both need to be sold. But you do also have to take into account the value that was there when we paid for them and now their value now. It's kind of depreciating assets. And if there are going to be some form of rejuvenation 
across the summer, and that rejuvenation doesn't include selling Harry Kane. Money's got to come from somewhere, and I just feel that sometimes you need to sort of sell a mid-tier player to get things going, and I think one of them could be a sacrificial lamb come the summer. But we move on, because we've got about 10 minutes left, and we need to talk about managers, because this is quickly evolving. Actually, no, it's not. It's not quickly evolving. We still don't have a manager. But other things around it are evolving, Carl, because last week we spoke about Nuno Espirito Santo, <laughs> and now he's available. So does that push him to the front of the queue, and can you see him being the next Tottenham manager? No, I don't think so. I, no? I don't think, you know, I think, like as we said before, you know, potentially a couple of seasons ago, maybe, um, the impact he'd had at Wolves and the way they were playing kind of made you sit there and think, oh, actually, you know, could this guy be um, somebody that could potentially at one point be a Spurs manager? But I just think kind of the decline in the way Wolves have played. And I mean, to be honest, you know, when they came to us just recently, you know, I, I've not seen a more lacklustre side since I'd watched us the week before, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so, you know, it was slightly worrying the way they'd ended the season as well and the performances that they'd had this season and, the, you know, especially the second half of it. So I just think, you know, for, just for some reason, you know, it's not like as well they're playing football that made you go, oh, wow, look at the football Wolves are playing. We know they had a big unfortunate injury this year, which I think really hit them with Jimenez. Um, I think as soon as he went, that was kind of them done. Um, but I just don't see him being the right fit now for us. I, I don't think he'd be a manager that would get you excited. Um, so I still don't think, although he's left Wolves, I don't think his next destination is going to be with us. Well, James, I guess it's all about narrative, really, isn't it? Because if you look at Nuno with Wolves, he has taken them backwards. Again, no fault of his own, really, as Carl says, as injuries, and it's just not gone to plan. But that's still failure in many people's eyes. You look at Brighton, they've hardly moved, but that's still lauded as a great job by Graham Potter. You know, it's working from a lower base but they've not gone downwards. So does that put Potter in front of the queue for you? Yeah, definitely. And I think it, it, a lot of it comes down to style of play as well. I think, you know, we, we spoke at length last week about these two guys and um, Potter, I think he's got a slightly slightly better team at the moment just because of that Wolves team has been has been depleted through transfer and injury. And, um, but this the, the Brighton team... Um, it just seems to have more of a system. It has to, seems to have more of a flow. It seems to have actually been coached better, which is, I think, a massive thing for for Tottenham at the moment. Is I think we need someone who is going to coach these players and someone is going to have a, a system in mind uh, and something that a new way of playing football, an attractive way of playing football that he wants to drill into into these players and make sure that they they buy into that brand of football. Um, I think Nuno obviously had um, a very, very good Wolves team going back a couple of you know back a couple of years. I spoke last week about how how we you know the the system was was amazing. You know the the, the wing back system and they had the personnel to, to fit that team. Um, they had Jota and, and Jimenez playing in, in in the in the prime of uh, in the prime of their careers. So I, I think uh, Nuno was obviously benefiting from from a good group of players. Much in, in the same as you know, say Pochettino, you know, the the players fit the system, but that's that needed to be uh, kind of built upon rather than dismantled, and um, and that's obviously what happened at Wolves. Um, whereas, as I say, Brighton, that they've got a great way of playing football. Um, they they, it's not the most attractive team on paper, but they've clearly clearly been worked very hard. Um, they've they've got a few players in that team that I'd I'd like. At Spurs, you know, so if if Potter comes, then there's every chance that you know maybe he might, you know, go, go back to Brighton and, and try and bring a few players in. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, that that is that is why uh, I'd I'd much prefer Potter. I think um, Nuno maybe has maybe been found out a little bit um, since since losing a couple of his players, try, trying to change the 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 tactics of the team hasn't really worked out and uh you know it hasn't really changed much throughout the season uh, the season as well i think things have been going pretty badly at wolves for a long time now um and and nothing has has really changed i think he's he's attempted to kind of change things up uh, very much which is probably why the the decision was made for for him to move on um whether it's going to be doable for us to go and get Potter, I'm I'm not sure. Um, obviously, get, getting another team's manager off them, and especially in the Premier League, 
um, is, is going to be a pretty costly game. Um, but for me, that, that's definitely a, the, the preference. I think he, he's got the, the tactical knowledge and, and, uh, and I think that's what we need at the moment. We don't need a big name. We don't need uh, you know a, a flash manager. I think we need someone who's going to put the hours in on the training pitch and, uh, and actually get these players playing in some kind of pattern, in some kind of style. Patrick, we spoke about managers for pretty much the whole episode last week, so I want to get your take very quickly. Who do you think will be the man in charge of us come August? Uh, Ten Hag or Brendan Rodgers. Ooh. So I think I think Ten Hag, uh, the contract was extended by Ajax, so they triggered a one-year extension. He didn't actually sign anything, so all it means is that we have to pay a bit more to get him. And Brendan Rodgers not getting your well, not getting Champions League football. Ironically, we beat them to stop them getting Champions League football, uh, which then ultimately means that you know he's not in uh, the dreamland or the promised land with uh, Leicester. So maybe he's going to look at it like two years in a row we dropped out. Maybe I've hit my ceiling with Leicester. I've won them at FA Cup. Maybe it's time for me to move uh, and you know actually move to a bigger club. I know he tried it with Liverpool, but. He'll probably back himself now, as a you know he's 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 learnt more, he's more you know uh, wiser etc. And yeah, so maybe this is his chance to move to a bigger club. So uh, I think it's out of those two personally. Interesting shouts. I mean, yeah, you're right. The contract could be a bit of a smokescreen by Ajax, and you never know, Leicester. I do worry about Rodgers though, because that's the third time really he's bottled something in his Premier League career. Liverpool 2014, last season this. But then again, if you're going to bottle. Why not come to Spurs? Right, on that note, <laughs> we, need to, uh, we need to wrap up for the show for the season. And to do that, I want to get everyone's closing statements. And with that, I mean, what do you hope for next time around? Now, obviously, the simple answer is a trophy, top four. But let's try and think a little deeper, a little bit more outside the box. So, Carl, I'll start with you. What do you want for 21-22? Um, I, I think for me, the ultimate aim is obviously we want to see that progression. You know, even if there isn't a trophy... I want to see us back in there fighting for that top four. And when I say fighting for top four, I want to see us fighting for second and third and, and giving it a good run. The Also, the main thing I want to see is I want to see a sort of identity in the way we play come back. You know, I really want to see a brand of football, an attacking kind of brand come in and know that each week, well, this is what we're going for. This is the way we're trying to play. This is the way we're going to try and do things. You know, a little bit like under Potch when we was in our pomp. You kind of knew what we was going to do. Very pressing, very on the front foot. And it was an enjoyable watch. And I think the one thing we've kind of seen, especially this season under Jose, is that actually we were a team that you could quite happily turn off after a little while because it was just boring. And that, if anything, the main thing I want to see is someone come in who kind of starts bringing that identity back and we're actually just enjoyable to watch because sometimes you don't mind losing games if you've played really well and you can come away and say, well, we played really well but just got done on the day. Watching the sort of dross that we've watched this season, um, that for me is certainly not something I want to see again. And that, to me, would be the main key thing. That as I, I don't mind, you know, if we have to have a season of just, again, someone coming in, getting themselves going and kind of start to build what they want to do. But I want to see that identity come back and something that you can at least say, yes, I can see some positives coming. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a trophy. It would be nice, obviously. And as we've said, we should be winning that Europa Conference League. But I just want to see a brand of football and get us back there and being enjoyable to watch again. And James, what's your wish for 21-22? Yeah, I mean, that was something that, that was massive for me. Um, what Carl mentioned about us playing with a, with a style, I want to see us have a, a clear way of playing football, whether it, whether it be building from the back, or whether it be you know trying to hit on the counter-attack. or you know, I, I just want to see us have some kind of style. Uh, and and I want it to be an you know an attacking style. I want us to to like I said. I want us to be fun to watch again. I want to look forward to watching Spurs again. Um, I think we we have we've regressed slightly in that you know if you'd have spoke about this, if we've had this same conversation last year, we'd have been spoke speaking about how we want there to be a trophy, 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 trophy. I think the trophy thing needs to be put aside for now. As much as it'd be great to win. Um, the Europa Conference League. I think I, I, we need to be focusing um, on becoming a, a force again because I don't think people we've been we've 
we've been scaring teams at all this season. I think they've they've seen Sonny and Harry, and I think they've thought, look, if we can cut those two off, then we've got every chance that we can beat Spurs. Um, so I want to I want to see us uh, us being entertaining to watch, and I want to see um, progression on the pitch. I want to see you know whatever manager does come in um, has, has clearly worked with the players and implemented a style. Uh, and you know even little things like a settled back four or even just a settled start at eleven, um, you know something that's not going to chop and change every week. Something that we know you know you you've got every opportunity that you're going to guess to start at eleven before it, before it comes out because. You know, the more settled that team is, the more chance that they're, they're going to work better together. Um, so for me, you know, even though we were talking about trophies, um, I think I just want to see us back to, to the Tottenham that we were maybe maybe two or three years ago. Um, and more importantly, I, I, I want to see Harry and Bale um, walking out a, a, a packed White Hart Lane. That's, that's what I want to see. And Patrick, anything to add in terms of wishes? Yeah, I want Daniel Levy to step away from the footballing decisions. So you bring in a top director of football like a Ralph Ragnick or a Louis Campos. Uh, and then we get a manager, a proven manager who's won something. So I know I stated Brendan Rodgers. He has won stuff in Scotland, albeit. And um, he's picked up an FA Cup this season with a team. Uh, well, yeah, against a team that everyone thought should uh, be beaten in the final. So, yes, he has bottled top four two years in a row, but uh, beating Chelsea in the FA Cup final is quite, um, you know, it's quite a feat. So, yeah, so I want a top manager um, and then also a director of football. And then that way there's actually a structure and there's actually a plan and then we can build again and go forward because providing we keep Kane, uh, we've got a good front line, obviously getting some good players and then we can actually, like... Carl was saying, really push to be in that top four. And hopefully that will then also help us to get across the line in maybe, you know, with, with the European uh, thing imaging that we're in. And hopefully maybe nick, nick another trophy along the line. What I'd say is it's more what I want to hear. And I want to hear 60,000 fans absolutely going for it next season because I think we were guilty of it being a bit too quiet. Now, I know that's maybe teething problems with a new stadium, but... Let's make it a hostile atmosphere. Even if you spend 90 minutes balling out Daniel Levy, make some noise because it's a great stadium and we need to make it more beneficial to us and make it more a deterrent to opposition teams because really, pre-COVID, some teams are having too much joy and I just feel that we need to create that atmosphere week in, week out. It's there. It's happened on Champions League nights. I've been there. It can happen. It's just not happening enough. So whether that works on atmosphere or really allocation of seats and all that, you know, it's not for me to worry about right now, but I just feel that make some noise because people haven't been to football in 14 months. They should be so pent up with everything in terms of passion and everything. Let it unleash next season and let's hope it helps the team go forward. Right, it's time to do some admin and to wrap up because we're already over time, but that doesn't matter because it's the end of the season. So I just need to do the thanking of my three Pod Squad members. So Patrick, thank you for helping us get over the finishing line this evening. Yeah, thank you for having me on again. Always a pleasure. Love being on there with you lads. And hopefully next season there'll be a lot more joy than tears. Uh, and yeah, let's go again next year. Absolutely, mate. Top man. Right, before I hand over to James, I just want to say thank you to everyone and anyone who's listened throughout this season. We're on episode 70 as we wrap up in a minute or two. So Spurs wind us up like you wouldn't believe. But we love doing this show. So on behalf of me... James and Cole, we want to thank you all because it's been an absolute blast. We love doing this. James, thank you for your time all season. Anything you'd like to add to the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dan, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Thanks to anyone who, who's, who takes the time out of their day to, to kind of listen to us waffling about Spurs. Um, obviously, everyone who's been been on the pod this, this year, this season, uh, has been a great addition. Uh, and Dan, obviously yourself, you've been, a, you've been a great host, mate. I know you don't get the credit you deserve. You put a lot of hours in. Um, so, you know, well done to everyone and, and well done to yourself, Dan. But thanks for having me again. It's been another another good season uh, of talking Spurs. If it hasn't been great on the pitch uh, and hopefully we can pick up where we left off next season. I'm sure we'll be chatting over summer as well. Um, but yeah, thanks again, mate. And Carl, of course, thank you for wearing the captain's armband all season. It's been a heroic effort. Anything that you would like to add to the listeners also? No, I think, you know, yourselves have covered it there. Like, like James says, Dan, you know, appreciate everything you do because I say you're kind of the silent voice sometimes and hopefully maybe next year we can hear a bit more from yourself as well but you've done a great job this season sticking it all together 
it's been brilliant because at times this has been great therapy, you know, and you pay a lot of money to go and get some good therapy sometimes. So this for free for most people, I think does everyone good. It's always good to talk about Spurs, even when they kind of, as you say, wind us up. The one thing we will say, thanks to everyone who's listened this season, you know, get in contact with us, give us your thoughts, give us your questions and that, because I say, if, if they give us questions and that, it gives us stuff to get into each week. But it has been another good season talking all things Spurs. And one good thing to end it on for everybody is Danny Rose's contract ends on the 30th of June. So get ready because there's going to be fireworks there. I've been looking forward to this date for a long while because this is going to be a guy that I think is going to open up a lot of stuff around the club and a lot of what he thinks about Daniel Levy. So the 30th of June, get ready. Yeah, we'll pick the bones out of that over the summer, if not before. Right, with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and until next season, come on you Spurs! For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.